So Biff Naked, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. So uh, I always like to just get a bit of background on my guests and sort of, can you talk me a little bit about growing up through where you grew up and first getting into music? Well, you know, um, I'm an adopted kid. So my older sister and I were both adopted and then my younger sister was born in Minnesota. And then we all moved to the Pa, Manitoba. Uh, my sister and I were born in India. We all moved to the Pa, Manitoba. Then we moved to Kentucky where I went to elementary school. Lexington. And then we moved to Dauphin, Manitoba, Canada's national Ukrainian capital. And then we moved to Winnipeg, that I love. And I went to high school and university there. I didn't have any plans to get into music. I was a theater major and really thought that I would be uh, a comedian. I don't know why, but I did. I thought I would be uh, the next Eddie Murphy or whoever I idolized at the time. And fell into being in a band in college and I never looked back. I dropped out my first year, uh, probably really lucky for some of my profs in hindsight, and I've never been off tour. And sort of what, what kind of music? You were in high school probably in the 90s. What kind of like, uh, what kind of bands did you listen to when you were first getting into music? Well, you know, I always loved music. The first record that I was ever given uh, as a gift was Unleashed in the East by Judas Priest. And uh, that really set me on a trajectory of loud music. I loved it. And not a lot of girls were into uh, the same kind of music I was into. I started getting into bands like DRI, uh, of course, the wave of thrash metal that came around you know, Metallica, Anthrax, Suicidal Tendencies. It was, uh, man, it was life altering. I loved it. But I also loved Madonna, you know, because of course. So I think that it was a well-rounded um, introduction into music. And the band that I started singing with uh, called Gorilla Gorilla was really like skate punk. Uh, and I thereby was introduced it, into punk and into all this whole world of music that uh, was uh, very complicated and serious and had something to say and man I've just I just love it all. And do you remember that uh, that second album of yours sort of really hit in, in 98? Do you remember recording it? Did you have a feeling there was something special happening with that album? Uh, you know, recording was always so daunting for me. I found it incredibly stressful. And when we did Ibificus, which was the second record, um, I had already formed a record company because the first record was shelved. And then, you know, there was no one uh, in Canada wanting to put it out or release a record. We had to form our own. And uh, by the time we were ready to do Ibificus, we were doing it with an American company called Sony 550. And I was really stressed out, nervous the whole time because they had Celine Dion and that was the only Canadian that I knew of on that label. So I, I felt like I needed to be very professional because she was a very professional singer. And uh, it was so much pressure to, to write songs and, and write radio songs. It wasn't like I could, you know, do songs about the union and, you know, my, my usual stuff I wanted to sing. Uh, and Spaceman was the first single and it really was, uh, it, it kind of started that path of uh, being not just 
this girl with tattoos and it started a path of a lot of p different types of people getting to know the music so once that came out it kind of changed everything. And do you remember sort of did your life change? I mean were you happy about it? Were you freaked out about it? What, what is it like when you have an album that hits all of a sudden? You're working. You don't really know it hits because you're on tour. Um, we, I never stopped touring. I think I played 300 shows a year for 15 years straight. I, I don't know any different from that, from being 19 and just doing that. Um, so I think that by the time um, Spaceman had been made into a dance remix and became a recurrent single in Canada, I think we were probably uh, in Europe and enmeshed in uh, Eastern Europe and me trying to find something other than boiled meat and beer uh, on a tour. And, um, you don't really realize it until you know you hear about it. And also, when I started out, we only got faxes at the hotels. We didn't have a cell phone. You know, I did all my media through stopping at pay phones, and I didn't have a computer until 2006. Most people did, but I didn't have one until then. So I just didn't get all the news hitting. I think now it would be even more pressure for a young artist because they're under uh, a time-sensitive type of social media uh, involvement all the time. I mean, I don't know. I know that there's platforms where you can automate stuff, but I, of course I don't know exactly how to do that, but I'm sure that it would be worse now. So I feel really lucky to have been able to kind of go through the whole thing earlier before all the pressure. Do you think the 90s was a special time for Canadian music? Was it different? Oh, yeah. How so? It was amazing. Well, when you think about it, I mean, you know, there are artists that were, particularly with women, that were like hitting it out of the ballpark, man. Like, so Celine, of course, but, you know, Jagged Little Pill, you know, for any, anyone who can't say anything bad about what happened when Alanis put that record out, it was incredible. It was like amazing. It was Canada was on the map, not just her. And the same goes for Sarah McLaughlin. I mean, you know, I think that people don't understand the real depth of how loved she was all over the world. Like, I mean, it was global. There wasn't, these individual artists are so unique. Their voices are so unique. Avril Lavigne came out. You know, and she was cute as a button, really. And her songs were great singles. And again, it was like so unique. And I think that that was a really important time for women. And, and Sarah, you know, proved that with Lilith Fair. There hasn't been anything like it since. And also in the 90s, there was Rock for Choice. You know, that was, you know, probably started a little bit more in America, uh, but it, I mean, it was amazing. It was groundbreaking, and it was a really important time for for women in music. Mm -hmm. I guess it's hard to compare the two times, um, but you know, what are some things that maybe are better about the industry now, or, or are there any things that are better? There's a lot that's better. You know, I always say there's room for everybody, and that's a good thing because everybody can be in music. Anybody. Um, I'm. I think I might really always be really biased about Canadian. Uh, music because I really do think that 
uh, the artists that come out of Canada are just so unique. I mean, they're unique everywhere, but you know, with, with new technology, for example, you've got an artist like, say, Grimes. And, and Grimes was, uh, you know, really so innovative, innovative, ahead of the curve, utilizing technology on her own, by herself, uh, making her records, you know, basically uh, through, you know, things like GarageBand, Pro Tools, things that we didn't have previously, you know, so she took music and then took it even farther. And again, you've got a global phenomenon who's a Canadian artist, you know, so of course we're all very proud. Um, and so technology has changed everything, uh, not just social media, uh, but just the way that we can do things. There was no, believe me, there was no auto tune when I did my first couple of records. You could hear it, you don't have to listen hard. But I just think, wow, you know, now, you know, the, the guy in the grocery store can make a world-class album and distribute it digitally, you know, throughout the world instantly. Like, that's incredible when you think about it. It's remarkable. I think, um, I think also, I think a lot of artists probably go through the, this range of emotions and can you talk a bit about self-doubt as an artist? I mean, you must have faced times in your career where you said, what am I doing? Should I be doing this? Is this going to work? Oh yeah, I, I think that there was, a, especially in the beginning. I mean, you know, I had to basically eat uh, veggie dogs and sleep in a van uh, for 10 years until I was ever on a tour bus. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of bands would find that really daunting and they'd give up. And many times my parents, who are both academics, uh, pressured me, why don't you just go back to university, you know, it, we can't stand to see you killing yourself like this, that type of thing. Um, but you just have to keep going and there's little milestones that always keep you going, whether it's, well, I want to quit right now, but I, you know, six weeks from now we have this big show, so after that I'm done. And then by the time you're there, something else is going to be coming down the pipe and those little milestones always keep us going. Um, and I think it's funny, you know, I, it's like being a criminal. You, you can't get a straight job. You just can't go back. You can't go back. And I wouldn't want to. Do you, watch, do you ever watch the news? Is, uh, is the world going to hell in a handbasket? You know, yesterday I was telling my husband, I was so, uh, everything compounded for me. Uh, you know, you can try as much as we can to uh, be thoughtful and, and share thoughtful uh, ideas about how you know we see injustice in the world which there's a lot of there's always been a lot of it but now of course you know we are aware of it all through social media and twitter really is uh for me anyway it's a utility you know like electricity that's where i get my news half the time um and i just uh I just find it really, these are very remarkable times we live in. There's a lot of discontent. There always has been. Um, but there's a lot of discontent uh, with people. And there's a lot of horrible things that are going on on this planet. You know, you can just look anywhere, whether it's Africa, South America, um, China, anything. And here in North America, uh, people are particularly aware of what's going on politically, you know, in their, in their town and in their city and their countries. But for some reason, no one's voting. And so that to me is just like, doesn't, it doesn't add up ever. It doesn't make sense. And I just think, so what is that saying? Is there, 
this collective apathy? Did everyone just give up? You know, because that's, that's what the numbers say, is that everyone just kind of went and gave up. I don't make a difference. So then I think, well, you know, are, these, are all of us so disempowered inside and our self-esteem is, you know, uh, secretly, you know, in the pits, regardless of what type of a facade we put on, is everyone so collectively in the pits that people can't even vote? I mean, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, how do we empower each other? I think that's the bigger issue. How do we empower each other and, and keep uh, bringing awareness to issues that are actually important, like people being killed, but that's a whole other, other story. I can't even get it. Well, I'll talk true. forever. I mean, flipping back to music and art, um, can you tell us what's going on with you right now with your music and some tour dates coming up? Well, we've been doing a lot of playing recently. This June we did a, a tour around Ontario and Quebec and uh, just finished doing an Ontario leg. We leave two days from now for Alberta. Um, and doing rock shows is always fun. I, I don't know when I'll ever get tired of it. I keep thinking someday I'm going to get tired of it, but I never do. And uh, yeah, it just, it just can't seem to get any better and then it always does. And with writing, we've been writing for two years. Um, we put out a single last year called Heavy. And then this year we put out a single um, called Hot Box Girls. And we have another one coming. Uh, I think that for artists nowadays, music isn't always a revenue source anymore. Releasing music, you can just release it digitally. And if you don't, people will just put it out for you whether you want them to or not streaming and whatnot, it, uh, it definitely has created a different system. So it forces artists to be art, uh, art makers for the sake of art, because really there's no money in it. Like you have, I have CDs, boxes of CDs. People don't even know what they are. I have to call them car CDs for some of these young people. Like, well, you put it in your car. Like they don't really, they're like, why would, I don't have anything to play this on. And so, but now there's a resurgence of vinyl and even cassettes, people are making cassettes. And uh, that's gonna be fun to play with. Uh, we have a new record coming out in 2019 and another book, working on a documentary, um, hopefully in January, uh, where the, yeah, they're gonna do some, some filming of us and playing in the studio. And it's just, yeah, 2019 already looks really fun. What do you think uh, it is within you as an artist that drives you to continue to want to write, to write books, to create music, to travel? I don't know how to do anything else. Really and truly, I really don't. Um, I think that, you know, I always wonder with artists particularly, like, you know, are we all like these, you know, incensed little middle kids? that just so need all the attention that we still, you know, we can be like 75 years old and still do it. But really, that's just, that's our job. You know, I don't know any different. I, as an artist, I've always lived the same way. It's hand to mouth, you, you know, you, you kind of fly by the seat of your pants. You don't have dental. You don't have, you know, Canada pension. You don't have anything. You just keep working. And uh, I love what I do. You know, I really do. And there was a time, particularly when I was coming out of cancer treatment, when I just thought, man, you know, this just is gonna suck. Like, huh, I wish I would have croaked because now, you know, I gotta get old in front of everybody. Oh, what am I gonna do? But then I look at Tina Turner and I go, oh my God, 
she doesn't care. She's in a miniskirt and she is singing Proud Mary till the last day. Like she will never stop. And I just think, well, why should I then? If Tina Turner is going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. Fifth Naked, thank you very much. Thank you.